All right. So uh, the question for tonight is actually, it's a question that I have, um, I answered in part in a previous lesson that we did last April. Um, and, uh, but this is kind of a different angle to the same question uh, that I thought might warrant a whole uh, lesson. Um, if there's one big issue that is facing our world, and particularly your generation, as far as how do we navigate it, what do we think about it, what's our view on it, um, how do we interact with those different views, it would be the issue of LGBTQ and, and identity and, and what makes... What makes me me, and and how do I know um, who I am, and, and and what's white right, what's wrong, and so I have asked. We've answered this question before, um, but this one has a different angle on it that that makes things difficult in a lot of ways. Here's the question that was submitted: If a friend or a family member is LGBTQ, how do you respect them um, while showing you don't support or agree with their perspective? Should we use their preferred pronouns? Okay, so. There's, there's a couple of um, presuppositions in this question. Number one, presupposition is that um, LGBTQ homosexuality is against God's word. Okay? Um, and, uh, and then based on that, how do we interact? And if the question in your mind is, well, how do I know it's wrong? How do I know it's against the Bible? Um, we did do a lesson on this called How Do We Approach the LGBTQ Community. If you have a fancy smartphone and you want to look up that, uh, that sermon, you can scan that QR code or you can come talk to me afterwards. I just try to be super high-tech and fancy for you yes. guys. It makes me feel really, really slick and savvy. Um, so we did talk about this a little bit, and in that lesson, um, we explained some of the verses on, on homosexuality and, and what the Bible has to say about it, and then gives a helpful lens for viewing this issue. Um, so if, if, if that question is in your mind, how do I know that it's what the Bible says about it? And what's my view on it? Um, check out that lesson. And if you have any further questions, feel free to, to, to let me know. Talk to me. Um, yeah, yeah. What is LGBTQ? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good question. So, okay. Um, LGBTQ is an is a acronym. It stands for uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, uh, transgender, queer, or questioning. Plus, would be any other um, thing you want to add on to that? Yeah. Was that? Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. So, this is something that's just it's it's in our culture. It's a question that um, even even the youngest of children is faced with. Um, and how do we deal with it? How do we navigate this as Believers, all right? Um, Thank you. Yep. Well, let me ask this question, okay? How many of you would say, I know someone, friend or family, that is LGBTQ? All right? So most, most people, all right? Great, put your hands down. So this is something, shh, this is something that, uh, that we need to navigate, and we, we can't just bury our heads in the sand and pretend like that's not something that we should address. Um, as I mentioned, this lesson is going to assume... Um, in agreement that the Bible states that homosexuality is a sin. Um, I do firmly believe that. Uh, I think the Bible clearly teaches that, that it's something against uh, God's design for the world, uh, designed for us, and, uh, and that we should stand strongly on that belief. But the, so this, focus is gonna le- this lesson is going to focus on how we should interact with friends or family who are LGBTQ. And this is why this is a really important question. Um, as I mentioned, this is not an out-there question. It's not a, oh, you know, this is something that people outside the church hand deal with. 
Um, it's inside the church. Um, people that are raising Christianity are, are sometimes struggling with this internally for themselves. Or you have friends, family members that, that um, identify in this way. And so this isn't something that you can insulate yourself from, or should you insulate yourself from? Uh, you need to know how to navigate it. Uh, another reason why this is an important question is it's really easy to believe that homosexuality is wrong when everyone around you agrees with you. Really easy to. It gets really hard when someone very close to you comes out as part of the LGBTQ community. In fact, I would say that many people who end up questioning or leaving their faith, this is the motivating factor. That they have a close friend or a family member who comes out and they just cannot come to the point where they're willing to um, say that their close friend or family member is, is in the wrong. Um, and it makes them question everything else. So this is a really, really uh, important question. It's harder to stand firm in your views, and it's harder to know how to interact. Before we jump into a text of Scripture that's going to guide us in this, I want to ask the question, how do people outside the church view Christians who believe that homosexuality is sinful? This is an important question to ask because um, you'll face it, Okay. Um, if you haven't already, maybe some of you have. Yeah? It's going to be extremely negative unless they know you as a person. Sure. And even then, mm-hmm. it's still. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really hard. Um, so we're going to, I want to watch a, a, a short video, okay, of a guy who he says he's a, he's a progressive pastor. He's got a really cool mustache, you, you'll see in a bit. But he's also. But uh, he is going to. He is going to describe how he and and others view Christians who say that homosexuality is a sin. All right, and so we'll watch it, and then I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, um, and this isn't something to just kind of dismiss and be like, "Oh, psh, he's wrong." I want you to I want you to think about this, and I want you to interact with it, and and, and maybe see how you might face this um, in the future. Okay, so. Like I said, cool mustache. All right. All right. Yeah. Can you hear this? You believe that they can't inherit eternal life or inherit the kingdom of God. If you believe that they're fundamentally flawed or broken or that they're afflicted by an evil spirit or possessed by a demon, then you are anti-gay. So firstly, if you think or believe any of this stuff, that's already pretty bad. But if you publish thoughts like this publicly for other people to see... That's even worse. I know you probably have other anti-gay friends who make you feel like this is acceptable because they probably do it too, but everyone else out here observing this behavior, witnessing your archaic, outdated, bigoted beliefs about a whole group of people, we all pretty much know you don't actually know any gay people. And no, I don't mean a deeply closeted person who's still limping from their harmful indoctrination of how they're supposed to hate themselves. I'm talking about a queer person who's come out and has learned to love themselves like they should. If you do know any gay people and you publish anti-gay, homophobic thoughts about them publicly, that only leaves us with one of two options of what to think about you. Either you're publishing thoughts and ideas about a whole group of people that you don't have a functional relationship with, you're not actually involved in their lives, you're totally removed from this conversation, and yet you're sharing your opinion, which makes you ignorant. Or, You actually do know gay people. You're involved in their lives. And you know that these harmful beliefs that you're publishing are going to negatively impact their lives in a very real way. And that makes you cruel. I'm hoping for your sake 
that it's the first one, that you're just ignorant. However, neither of these are a good look for you. Everyone else who isn't on the toxic theology indoctrination crazy train thinks of you as either ignorant or cruel. I just wanna let you know that you don't look as righteous or noble or holy or persecuted for Jesus as you might think. I think the reason you're getting away with behaving this way in civilized society is because you're not being held accountable and you're not receiving the pushback that you deserve. But maybe this can be your wake-up call. I'm here to tell you that it's time for you to stop being ignorant and cruel and it's time for you to learn how to be human and how to care about other people. God bless you. I didn't show that to make fun of, okay? I showed it to help us see, first of all, um, this is what you're going to face. Um, many of you probably have already seen things like this online. And, uh, and either we just kind of pretend like it's not out there, um, or we, we talk about it in a context like this. So, what are you guys' thoughts, apart from his mustache? Um, Okay. All right. What do you think, Ed? He committed logical fallacies. Bandwagon logical fallacies. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great observation. Um, but it is it is uh, how kind of culture thinks right now. What is the prevailing um, idea of what's right and wrong, and you just kind of go along with what that is. Okay, good. Yeah, so he definitely has, um, he has a bias coming into it, right? That, that's yeah, <laughs> Jamie. So in the big, I'm confused. Yeah. On the gay side? Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's saying that Christians that, that say that, um, that being gay, that homosexuality is a sin, are either ignorant or cruel. Ignorant if they don't know gay people, cruel if they do. Yeah, Aurora. Yeah. A few of them don't like the fact that they're gay. Hmm. They can't kind of. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. Number one, um, if we're talking about you know publicly publishing things about someone specifically, right? That is cruel. That is something that we shouldn't do. Um, I think this guy is talking more broadly than that, and just saying if you speak out against this publicly, then that's cruel. But as far as personal, pe- you know, like personal relationships with people, and we're going to talk about having personal relationships with people and how to interact with that. You're, you're absolutely right that you shouldn't be, especially online, blasting people, bullying people um, toward, toward a person. That you're exactly right in that. Yeah. Um, to add on to that and uh, kind of like counter to the previous bias, I'd say a lot of people are also biased to being, 
I'd say anti-LGBTQ, not mm-hmm. in the sense of the word, but how are they raised and how they personally believe it. Yeah. And they let that guide their actions <coughs> instead of with a Christ-like attitude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good thing to avoid. Yes, there are, there are two extremes in this situation for sure. Um, I want to just make a couple observations. Um, he said, first of all, if you believe that, that queer people are not acceptable to God, can't, be, can't inherit eternal life, are fundamentally flawed or broken or afflicted by an evil spirit or possessed by a demon, you're anti-gay. Um, what I'll say there is um, not being acceptable to God, not inheriting eternal life, being broken, we believe that's a description of every person who has not run to Christ. Right? Um, we don't believe that, that, that a queer person is possessed by a demon or an evil spirit. That's ridiculous. We don't believe that. We believe that every person comes into this world broken, and we need a Savior. It's not because you're, you're guilty of one sin versus another. We're all in the same boat. Um, it's not homosexuality that makes someone unacceptable before God. It's because we're, we're, our hearts are turned against God. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So I just want to make that, 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 that observation first of all. That what makes us unacceptable for God in any sense, it's, it's our sin. It's any sin. That, that, we're, that we're separated from God because of our sin. We need a Savior. Um, it talks about teaching the Bible teaching us to hate ourselves. Is that what we believe as Christians? That, that if you struggle with something like this in your own heart, are we teaching you to hate yourself? No. This, this claim is based on the assumption that homosexuality or transgenderism um, is, is your identity to be embraced rather, rather than a struggle to be faced. And that's, that's the, that is the presupposition coming into this. See, we embrace God's design for the world, and we see things that twist that design as harmful to us and to others. And so we, we need deliverance from our natural sinful flesh, right? There are sins that probably you can look at, that you can point to in your own life that you, know, you don't remember choosing for yourself but yet you still struggle with it, right? And, and in, even in those situations, we don't call people to hate themselves the exact opposite. While one side believes that you're hurting yourself if you deny your sexual desire and your expression, the other side, I think the Bible side, believes that you're hurting yourself if you don't, if you don't deny those things. And, and, and Christians can struggle with these desires as well. So I want to I make that clarification as well. And here's, here's kind of the main premise of, his, of, his, of what he said. Should knowing someone who is gay change your view on the issue? If you're founded on truth, it shouldn't. It makes it tougher. It makes it a lot tougher. But if your view is based off of God's word, then knowing someone or not knowing someone shouldn't change your view on things. It might impact how you approach people, and we'll talk about that. Um, he says, if you have a strong stance, that means you're holding to an archaic, outdated, bigoted belief about a whole group of people. And if you hold to this view, you probably don't know anyone like that. Um, if you do have a strong stance, that means you don't, have, don't know any gay people, and that makes you ignorant. You do know people, gay people, and that makes you cruel. And you're not acting human. And he says, everyone who's not on the toxic theology indoctrination crazy train either thinks that you are ignorant or cruel. You don't look as righteous 
as you think you do. And I think this video gives a really good understanding of why it's so hard to hold to a clear biblical view of homosexuality when you have a close friend or family member who is a homosexual. You want to respect and love them, and that is exactly how, what you should want. But to their eyes, perhaps, and to the eyes of the world, your disagreement looks like cruelty. This is, that's just the fact of the matter, guys. And it's, it's, really, um, it's really hard to get around. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be genuine, abhor that which is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Scripture elevates two things. Standing against sin and loving people unconditionally. Love genuinely, stand against sin. And that's what we need, need to be our testimony. I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And we're going to ask the question, interacting with, with, with LGBTQ friends and family, how, how, how should we interact? All right, we're going to look in chapter 3. Verses, start in verse 1. It says, uh, remind them, this is talking, Titus is a pastor, all right? So Paul wrote this letter to a pastor named Titus, and so he's instructing this guy named Titus what to teach his church. And so he says, remind them, remind your church, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior." So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. We've asked in the question, how do I respect a friend or family member who is LGBTQ? And here's the answer. Just like anyone else. Just like anyone else. Um, they are human beings made in the image of God, whom God loves so much that he sent his son to die for them on the cross. And our passage shows us what our interaction with all people must look like, and that includes those in the LGBTQ community. It says, number one, speak evil of no one. That means don't speak in an evil way toward anybody. Right? Maybe this is where, where bullying and, and hurtful words come in. Um, speak evil of no one. This is universal. He doesn't offer any exceptions here, does he? He says, speak evil of no one except for these people. Then you can let loose. No. No mocking, no anger, no hate. He says, avoid quarreling. Be gentle. He says, this, and this idea of gentleness carries the idea of being able to live alongside of those who are in disagreement and don't believe what you believe. Show perfect courtesy toward all people. Again, no exceptions there. All. doesn't matter who they are. Be courteous. Be loving. Be gentle. You know, I'm so glad that the Bible doesn't tell us that kindness is only for certain people. Or that courtesy is reserved only for those people who agree with us. In fact, 
He says, act this way. And then the following verses show us that we're to act this way specifically toward those who reject everything we believe. So here's the question. How do I show respect to a friend or family member who, uh, who is in the LGBTQ community? Again, just like everyone else, anyone else. And you might say, why, but won't I sacrifice the truth if I act that way? Um, wouldn't I be giving off the impression that I approve of their lifestyle? Well, I want to share a story with you about an individual named Rosaria Butterfield. Has anyone ever heard of that name before? Cool name. Yeah. That's right. All right. Back row. Quiet. Um, Rosaria Butterfield. All right. Um, this is taken from a book called Love into Light, um, where he, he, he references this story. He says, many of us fear that if we don't immediately confront sin, we are somehow compromising with it. But we can learn differently from the example of Ken and Floyd Smith of Syracuse, New York. Here's their story. Rosaria Butterfield was a professor at Syracuse University who viewed Christians as bad thinkers who were sheltered from the world's real problems. Okay, now this is exactly the same thinking that we saw in the video that we watched that the only reason Christians are against this are because they are ignorant and isolated from the real world. So this is exactly what uh, Rosaria Butterfield thought. She was preparing to write a book analyzing, quote, the hermeneutic of hatred that the religious right uses against their favorite target, queers, or at that time, people like me, she says. Professor Butterfield wrote an article in the local newspaper. And as a result, she received boxes of both hate mail and fan mail. She filed the two different kinds of letters in their respective containers, all except one. The letter from Ken Smith stumped her. It was, she describes it this way, the kindest letter of opposition that she had ever received. The letter asked good questions about presuppositions, but Ken didn't argue with her or attack her. This gentle, genuine letter initiated two years of life-on-life conversations that culminated in Rosaria's trusting Christ and experiencing a grace-fueled transformation. She later described how Ken and Floyd's vulnerability and transparency prompted her to open her life to them. She says, I invited them into my home and into my world. They met my friends, came to my dinner parties, saw me function in real life. They made themselves safe enough to do this. She noticed how unselfish they were. She says, I observed that they fed and housed and counseled countless people from all walks of life. I saw how wide the door to their home and the door to their hearts opened. I remember feeling like I could talk to them about anything. Ken stressed that he accepted me as a lesbian, but that he didn't approve of me as a lesbian. He held that line firmly, and I appreciated that. And then the author closes out this way, gentleness does not preclude truthfulness, but rather facilitates it. In other words, gentleness does not cancel out truthfulness. In fact, gentleness is what helps truthfulness be communicated. And, and, and this is an individual who was so staunchly on the other side. She was in direct opposition to Christianity and everything that it believes. But it was the gentleness and the love and the kindness of one Christian couple that stood firm. Says, as he said, I accept you as a lesbian, but I don't approve of you as a lesbian. And she says she actually appreciated that. Kind opposition 
Acceptance without approval. These are all good ways to approach it. If you have a family member or a friend who is LGBTQ, you should approach them with both truthfulness and gentleness because both are biblical commands. To treat a homosexual individual respectfully, uh, disrespectfully, arrogantly, or hatefully is just as much a contradiction of Scripture as it is to deny that homosexuality is a sin. We need truthfulness, to be honest and clear about what you believe. You know, if you have a friend or family in, in this situation, be bold enough to clearly state your convictions. Hold up God's design and plan for humanity as what, what is good and what is true. But also, gentleness. Show them that you can accept and love them while not approving of their lifestyle. Invite them over. Do things with them. Be friends with them. Hang out. And right now, guys, in our culture, to lovingly welcome someone, spend time with them, interact with them, while strongly disagreeing with with them is a pretty foreign concept. That it's almost, it doesn't doesn't make sense. Like, wait a minute. You can can strongly be against um, my lifestyle and yet unconditionally love me? That, how does that work? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't view it as, I mean, just a sin. You don't agree with any other unsaved person. Right. Now, so why should you act different? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 yeah, like, if you have any other friend that's a non-believer, right, you, tr- you treat him with respect. You treat him with gentleness. There should be no difference. Yeah. Yep. And so... I think, I think, but this is what makes it difficult, though. Yeah, Ainsley. So, if someone says that they're a Christian, yeah. but they're gay, okay. how do we react to that? Well, that's a whole, that's a whole lesson right there, yeah. Yeah. What's that? Fill out another card. Fill out a card. No, so that, I, I, I can't give a full explanation there. But, um, I would say, first of all, is it possible for Christians to struggle with this? Yes, it is. Um, I, I think for a Christian to, if they're struggling with this, to label themselves as, um, I am a gay Christian. If we're going to be consistent with what scripture calls sin, um, then would we do that with any other sin that I'm guilty of? Right? If I was, let's say, and, and God forbid this would ever happen, let's say that I, that I cheated on my wife. Okay? I didn't! Okay? <laughs> But would I say, would I say, hey, everybody, I am, (laughs) all right, if I was guilty of that sin, would I say, my label is now um, Christian adulterer? No, no. That'd be something that hopefully I'm, I'm seeking to repent and turn from, right? Or let's say that you struggle with lying. Would you say, my identity is lying Christian? No. Yeah, exactly. So, so can a Christian, can a Christian struggle with this? Absolutely. Should we embrace it and say, this is part of my identity? No, I don't think so. Do you have a sin? That's yeah. what I was going to say. Okay. The difference is that when, when I, those other sins, I don't identify right. with those sins. I don't say they're just who I am. Right. You, have, you need to accept me for being a liar. Right. Right? No, it's just, no, just kidding. Like, please. Yeah. No. Don't do that. Yeah. Right? Homosexuality or, or gender or any of those other things, they're attached to 
what people view as their identity. Mm -hmm. They identify as this, that, the other, and, and, and in order for them to be, uh, how long is that? In order for them to be accepted, right, you have to identify them yeah. as that also. Yes. Right? And so that, that, that last step, I'm, I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Right? Like, I can see that you're struggling with a sin, right? But don't ask me to go around calling you a liar. Right. I'm not going to do that. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and here's the difficulty. Because it's, it's been part of our identity, or in this issue, LGBTQ, it's considered identity. That's why when you disagree with it, people see that as you are disagreeing not with a sin, but with me as a person. That you are actually denying my existence. Okay? That's how this is going to be viewed. I just want to let you guys know that. Um, that, that to stand against this, people are going to say, you are, you are as, as we talked about, you're cruel. Because this is me, and you're saying that that's not legitimate. You are disagreeing with my existence. And of course, we would say, no. No, I'm not. I, I embrace you as a person. You are made by God. You are His image, made after His image. I love you. But, but the brokenness of this world has, has so crept in to the point where, I mean, can we, I think we can honestly say, is sin without Christ, is sin our identity? Yeah, it is. I mean, we are, we are sinners, right? But that's, and that's exactly why Christ comes to, to rescue us. But this is what makes it difficult. Sometimes it won't matter how kind, welcoming, and loving you are. If you disagree, then you are either ignorant or cruel in the world's eyes. Um, and this is exactly what Rosaria Butterfield thought before she met this couple. But yet it was the bold love and the acceptance of a Christian couple that opened her up to the hope of Christ. And, and here's the thing, guys. If you, if you believe what the Bible says about this, you're simply standing on what Christians have believed for thousands of years. Um, I mean, this, this is, as far as the, the widespread acceptance of this, um, it's incredible how quickly this has changed in our culture. Um, I mean, 15 years ago, um, Joe Biden was against gay marriage. Did you know that? As was most people. Um, left and right. No, it's, no this, is, this, is, this is cultural. This is, this, is what, this is what everybody, at least most, you know, much more people thought. And it's, it's changed so quickly. And, and we're expected to change with it. But we can't. We need to be gentle and truthful. You need to be unconditional in your love. You need to be welcoming. You need to be friendly. You need to be compassionate. You need to be caring without giving, without giving up what the Scripture clearly teaches. Now, here's a really tough question, and, and, and Mr. B alluded to this. What about preferred pronouns? All right, so what, what is this? Okay, so this is particularly in, in terms of uh, transgenderism. Okay, so if someone's born a, born a boy um, and, and thinks, I'm actually, I'm actually a girl, and I'm going to transition into, into being a girl, then they might say, well, n- now my, my pronouns are she, her, not he, him. Right? Or, let's not lie about it. Um, or if someone says they're not binary, um, they'll say, I'm, I'm they, them, okay? Um, so that's, that's what preferred pronouns are. There's also something that uh, are uh, neo-pronouns. Has anyone heard of the term neo-pronouns before? Okay. Neo-pronouns would be, um, I mean, way beyond that. It's where, where people can just choose whatever term they want to describe themselves. Uh, like there's a zzer. Uh, there's um, 
I mean, and, and there's some weird ones, like kitten, kitten self, um, moon, moon self, um, anything. And, and the, the idea is, and the way the culture is, just pick whatever you want, and, and, and everyone else should, should fall in line with that and agree with that. What are Christians supposed to do with this? How should we handle and approach this? I, I, I would say this. Um, our culture today will say that using someone's preferred pronouns is framed as a simple way to show respect. Just, just do it. It's not a big deal. Just do it. Right? That's, that's kind of the pressure right now. Okay, well, let's think about it. All right, start, start with, with what you believe. Okay, what do you believe? Do you believe, based off of Scripture, um, that someone who is born a boy can actually turn into a girl? Um, that we can, we can believe that his perception can change, that he can struggle with it. He could even have surgery, but we would believe that people should embrace how God created them, right? Um, here's, here's kind of the weird thing that our culture has fallen into. We're born a certain way, but our mind is thinking a different way. And so our culture is saying, you need to change your body to fix your mind, to, to, to match your mind. Does that make sense? That's what the culture is saying. Change your body to match your mind. When scripture says, no, 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 I made you a certain way, change your mind to match your body. Does that make sense? And so this is the culture that we're in right now. Um, and guys, this right now, and I'm convinced of this, transgenderism is one of the most destructive things going on in our culture right now. I mean, it is, it's destroying people. People are confused. People are lost. People, people are falling for so many lies. And, and, so, it's, and it, man, it, it makes me, it's just, it's, my heart goes out to so many, especially teens that are just dealing with this and struggling with this. And our culture is just feeding lie after lie instead of helping someone who's confused. But as far as preferred pronouns, when I use someone preferred pronouns, let's say that if someone is born a boy and, and they say I'm now a girl, so you need to refer to me as she, her. For me to do that, I am being compelled to use a language that contradicts my belief. That, that you are assenting, you're saying, yes, I am going to use language that affirms your, your identity, your perception of reality. We can't force people to adopt our view of reality. You know, I, I can't, if I'm witnessing to someone, okay, I cannot force them to say, when you're around me, you need to say Jesus is Lord. Because that's what I truly believe. That's truth. And it is truth. I firmly believe that. But I can't force someone to say that. Why? Because they don't believe it. I'll talk to them about it. I'll, conv- I'll try to persuade them of it. I'll witness to them. I'll try to show them the truth of Scripture. But I'm not going to compel someone to use words that match my perception or my idea of what reality is without them being convinced of it themselves. But that's exactly what's going on in our culture right now. It doesn't matter what you believe. You just need to do it. And I'd say that as, as difficult as this is, guys, um, I don't think this is something that Christians should cave into. I, I don't think we should be using preferred pronouns or neo-pronouns or anything like that. Because truth is truth. Truth matters. And, and you can still be compassionate and loving but you still stand on truth. Um, as I said, you, can't, you cannot force to use language that contradicts their firm beliefs. I'd say, you know, don't be annoying about it. Um, you don't have to, you know, get up in their face and, like, say their, 
you know, their, their birth gender, like, in their face, like, ah, you know, being annoying. All right? We said earlier on in Titus 3, don't quarrel, right? Don't quarrel. Be kind. Be peaceable. Be, be courteous. Um, you know, preferred pronouns are third-person pronouns, he, she, they, meaning you would never actually use them when you're talking directly to them, right? You'd use you when you're talking to them. Um, so don't feel like you have to create opportunities to have what they would consider to be misgendering. Right? Don't, you don't have to create opportunities to use their correct pronouns to prove a point. Um, that's not the most effective way of speaking truth to them. You should speak truth to them, but, but, but don't be quarrelsome about it. Right? So, so when you're talking with them, you, there probably won't be much opportunity or reason to use preferred pronouns. Um, but if there is an opportunity, I'd say you need, to, you need to stand firm in it. And do that with talking with them about it. All right? um, say... You know, I, I know that that's something that you prefer, but I, I, based off of what I firmly believe, I just, I just can't. And, and, and maybe you've even talked to them about how it's, it's not a matter of hatred or bigotry, it's a matter of conviction that I can't force myself to adopt someone else's view on things, just as they cannot force themselves to adopt my view on things. And then prove to them by your persistent love and gentleness and courtesy that your care for them as a person is true and genuine. Yeah. So um, this kind of goes along with the pronouns thing. Yeah. If they change their name as mm. they change genders, should we also, or should we like call them by their original name? Their yeah. Original gender, or like... Now that's a really difficult question. Um, and I've heard different views on it. Um, right now, and, and I'm saying this as a fallible human who's wrestling through with this, wrestling through with this too, um, and feel free to jump in, Mr. B, if you have a, a thought here. Um, I view a personal name as different than a preferred pronoun. Um, you know, I can go and legally change my name to something, right? Um, and in order to just live around that person, right, you need to be able to call them by what they're called by so that they know that you're trying to talk to them, right? So there, there is just a practicality that makes it different, um, I think when you're talking about pronouns, he, she, they, um, you are assenting to, it's much more clear that you're assenting to their version of what's true and what's reality um, than it is just a name. Um, I know there's some connection there because there's feminine names and there's masculine names, right? And usually when someone changes their name, um, then it, it matches what they're trying to transition to. Um, so so it's, it's, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. Um, I'd say right now, you know, a name's a name. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's some difference between that and, and pronouns. And, and honestly, it's something I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the difference between that, too. Yeah. Well, I, would, I was going to say, it's, I, I'm fine with, with using another name if you want another name. But you're also going to hear my objection to or my disagreement with you know, why the, the ideology that you've attached to that makes you want to change your name, mm -hmm. right? That's what I'm going to address. I'm not yeah. really going to address the name itself. The name itself is just a byproduct and a, and yeah. a, a, a symptom of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. To go, to roll back just a little bit, you know, about quarreling and, and being cruel and mean, think about like, has anybody ever changed your heart about something by yelling at you? <laughs> like, nope. That doesn't work. 
Yeah. Right? Speaking in love, in in true love for a fellow who's just caught up and lost in, in a sinful behavior, right? And doesn't didn't understand it as a sinful behavior when they started it. When they saw it in society, it was normalized and they identified with it and and took it and ran with it, mm-hmm. right? That's no different than any other sin that we do, except for the fact, again, that you, now it's, you claim it as your own, like it's who I am, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, I, I just speaking to them in love, because the heart is what you're, is what you're trying to get at, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not, okay, well, in your mind, you just got it messed up. Right. No, that's not it, right? They honestly believe that this is who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's why they would say that this is, you know, they, they have that backlash mm-hmm. right, that says, you just don't understand. This is this is who I am. You mm-hmm. didn't accept me this way. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you know, God made you beautiful and you like let your mind take you in another yeah. direction. And, and it happens in, in, in so many different ways beyond just this issue. Right. And, and, and you know, to give an extreme example, and I'm not trying to make a comparison between these two or saying that these are identical, because one is, is just crazy. Like this example here, okay, this guy needs to be like in an institution, right? Uh, this guy, you know, I saw, I saw a story once of a guy that um, fell in love with his sports car, okay? And he had a, like a, a, a relationship with his sports car, okay? Um, yeah. So now that, that's something that he probably didn't decide to wake up and say, this is what I'm gonna. This is what I'm going to to be today. It's just kind of. That's. How, I mean, we're sinners. We just. We get so confused, and we get. We get so. You know, disconnected from truth that we're capable of any number of of, of going off in different directions, and so perception, right? Someone's genuine perception about themselves is often very genuine. They. They. This is how they see themselves, but that does not mean that that is what God created them to be. So, so I'd say that, that you need to be clear about this. And, and, and yeah, instead of just kind of bulldozing your way through and, and say, well, you know what, I'm going to say this and that. Talk to them and be like, this is hard for me, and let me tell you why. Um, and, and let me tell you why. I'm going to accept you and love you just as much as I would anyone else um, while still holding firm to what I believe. Uh, as for the pronouns thing, yeah. this is my personal approach. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what I've done is I've done everything in my power to not reference them by a pronoun. Right. Use their name. Right. So and that's what Annie said here. Like, don't be annoying about it, right? That, that, that third-person pronouns are usually when you're talking about them to someone else, not talking to them. And so I think it's okay. It, like, it, just to avoid opportunities of using them, is that's okay. I don't think that's you being cowardly or trying to avoid... Conflict. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And you need to speak truth. That's not the, probably the most effective way of trying to, like you said, like yelling say, at people I, or, or I, being... In that, I understand what you're saying, but that person is still going to know where I stand. Right, oh, yes. And then after we have that understanding, right, then I'll, I'll go out of my way to use their name and not the pronoun. Right. right. So that way I'm not affirming what it is that I disagree with. Right. Right, but... 
But it, I'm not. You're not going to neglecting conflict. Right? Yes. And I, and I wouldn't see it as conflict either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at it that way. I would look at it just like if if I saw you struggling with alcoholism or or, or lying or adultery or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. What do I don't. <laughs> the illustration. The illustration. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't go up and and be like. Right. Yeah. Hey, like I noticed that there's some distance. Yeah. I see you struggling, and let's let's talk. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Right. Don't look at it as yeah. If you approach it that way, it will be. Yeah. And, and I, I want to, we're running out of time, so I want to kind of, that's oh, okay, that's good. Um, I like the feedback. Well, well I want to leave some time at the end for more questions, so that's why I want to kind of blaze through with what I want to say next, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up with some more questions. Um, I want to mention your view of, of them. We talked about our approach. What about the view? And this is what we see in the following verses. It says, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, show perfect courtesy. Verse 3, 4, because... We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. How should we view each other? Friends and family, LGBTQ, what's your common ground? We're all sinners. That's our common ground. And, and this talks about flagrant sin, being foolish, disobedient. Right? We know what it's like to, to consciously choose to sin, to be foolish. There's also, we also know what it means, and, and I want to be careful with this term, because no sin is fully involuntary, but in a sense, this sense of, it says, what does it say in the, in the text? It says, um, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures. Like I mentioned earlier, you know what it's like to struggle with a sin that you really don't want in your life. And it almost feels involuntary. It feels like... <laughs> I didn't choose this. I don't want this to be a sin in my life. It's so frustrating. I hate it, but I just, I can't help it, right? You know what that's like, okay? That's our common ground, okay? Common ground, relational sin. It talks about malice. talks about hating each other and being hated by one another. We are all in the same boat without Christ, And for that reason, Christians should be the most humble, loving, gentle people in the world because we more than anyone know how sinful we are and how hopeless we are without Christ. We've all been there. And that should motivate us to treat others, no matter what sins they have in their lives, with kindness and grace. Because we have a common ground and we have our common need. What's our common need? Verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Our mission as Christians is to show others how amazing Jesus is. Okay? Your mission is not to make a gay person straight. Your mission is to show them how incredible Jesus is and how incredible they, the, the transformation is to those who come to Christ. No one has to clean up their act before coming to Jesus. Not a single person. You come to Him because you need to be freed from your brokenness. You need to be freed from your sin. You need help. 
And Jesus, we've talked about this on Sunday with Jesus being our great high priest. Remember that? That he, he wants you to come to him in your, in your brokenness. He wants to rescue. He wants to save you. And so we as Christians, we love, we're gentle, we're courteous, and we stand on truth because we want everyone, whether they're homosexual or transgender or any other thing, that they, 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 they need Christ just like we need Christ. And we've experienced Christ's love, and you've seen his forgiveness, and you've experienced his grace, and you just want others to have that same experience. The greatest need for your LGBTQ family member or friend is not to become straight. That's not their greatest need. Their greatest need is to meet Jesus. Because Jesus can take broken sinners like you and me and washes and regenerates us from the inside out. I referenced this verse earlier. Let's just look at it again. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice, practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then just look, finally look down in verse, uh, Titus 3, verse 8. He concludes by saying, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. This reminds us to stand firm in what we believe. It says the saying is trustworthy. We have to insist on truth. And to be devoted to good works. Show through your life what it's like to follow Jesus. Because these things, these truths that we hold to, the gospel, they are excellent and profitable for all people. Gospel of Jesus Christ is the best news, and we stand on the truth not because we hate people, not because we're ignorant, not because we're cruel, but because we love them and we want them to know Jesus. And we live in a world that's really broken and really confused, and there's some hurting people around you. And you might have some people that are really close, that are really hurting and really confused. And we stand on truth not because we want to deny people's existence but because we want them to know true joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And the way you can do that with your family and friends is to share that truth, to be, to be clear about that truth, about what the Bible says, yet do it with a heart of genuine love and compassion and gentleness and friendliness and kindness and, and, and hospitality. I mean, think of that example, that story that I shared, of that one person that was so staunchly against everything that Christianity stands for, and it was the love and the clear, the, the clear truth that they stood on and the clear love that they showed, that over time, and it takes time, to, to, to see the hope of Christ. Any super quick comments, thoughts? Because, out of time. Yes, Jamie? I have a comment. Yeah. So, I have a Discord server with some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just looked at it and I I got so mad. Hmm. I I don't know. And then so jokingly I just said something stupid. Yeah. Um, but really I I didn't agree with anything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like that's a that's a good example of just how this stuff is going to kind of pop up, right? Um, and so we want to be really careful how we how we handle situations like that, right? That that it can be a really good opportunity to show love and to, and to show grace in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just something to be wary about. You know, just see how close that 
guy was that video. He's yeah. teetering with the truth. If you're not in God's word and knowing what God says about truth. Yeah. You can get easily swayed left and right. Yeah. You know? That can be really convincing. It can be really if, convincing. Yeah. And you see actually a lot of you know, so-called churches now leading to more worldly things because they're not centered in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just like what um, Pastor Aaron was talking about. I actually had a co-worker of mine. Um, she was trying to transition to a, a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and what he's saying tonight, you know, I did pretty much the same thing. You know, I just showed that I cared and, you know, uh, was interested in what uh, she had to say. And, um, you know, over time, we had a good friendship. Mm. And, um, I no longer work at that place, but you know, I, I think that that um, commonality of just understanding one another, mm. you know, could lead to further yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah. The biggest thing, what, what Luke said: make sure you know what you believe. If you don't know what you believe, you're going to get really confused and and, and 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 disoriented because. There, there are plenty, like you said, plenty of churches out there that say, no, 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 you can be Christian, and the Bible doesn't say that homosexuality is wrong, and it's not a sin, and, and, and believe me, you'll, you'll hear that. And if that's ever a question in your mind, and you're like, man, I've heard this from someone that the Bible doesn't say that homosexuality is sin, come talk to me. I'll, I'll, show you, I'll, I'll walk through it with you. I don't mind doing that at all, because that is a question that you're going to face. Yeah, real quick, and then we're going to close. Um, just discern how to talk to mm-hmm. people um, identify as uh, themselves as this mm-hmm. because a lot of the time at least from my personal experience and I can't say for everyone but a lot of the time that I have talked with friends who believe this they have had <coughs> the worst experiences um, yes. and with uh, Christianity mm-hmm. Catholicism mm-hmm. anything under that Christian umbrella yep. so it's good to be a um, it's good to evangelize gracefully and also use your own personal like how you approach them that's a big way that's a big part of your testimony yeah is how you live your life and they're going to see that yeah and that's like like when, when someone sees a christian who is doesn't has a very different conviction doesn't agree with with how they're living but is also loving and kind and and and, and welcoming for a lot of people that's that will be the first time they've ever seen that because they've heard, they've seen plenty of Christians that will just just rip them rip them apart, and and don't be that one. Don't be that person. Be clear. Stand on truth. Don't be ashamed, but show that you can do that while showing love. All right. Yes, Grant. Real quick. We're late. <laughs> Yeah. It's like you yeah. Won't me right. Mhm. And it's like being somebody who says no, I don't agree, but I accept. Yes. Um. It's it's like mind blowing. Mhm. Opens up new levels of friendship and opportunity. It really does. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word uh, that guides us. And this is a really difficult issue, Lord, and it's something that we need wisdom on. 
Um, Lord, we need you. Uh, help us all to see that every single one of us is sinners, and we need your grace. Um, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know if they've actually received that grace, maybe there's someone that doesn't, isn't quite confident that they've asked you to be their Savior, or that even the verses we read tonight, that they might see they need you. And Lord, for, for those that are, are Christians and, and see um, opportunities to share your truth, pray that you give them boldness and also just give them kindness and, and, and generosity and, and, and love um, toward anyone and everyone they meet. Um, that they would be, that they would be a, a shining testimony of, of Jesus Christ.